Hey guys, it's Dawn. If you would like to hear the How My Parents Raised Me podcast ad-free, and if you would like access to subscriber-only episodes, join me in the What's the Truth community. You can join via the Apple Podcast app. There's a link right there in the app. Or go to whatsthetruth.supercast.com. Links are in the show notes. Don't miss out on all the extra content I'm sharing. I can't wait to see you over there. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. In school, I was bullied a lot, like every day. I looked different than the other kids being of mixed race. And I was called horrible names. They would pull my hair. They would call me ugly. And just, it was just really hard for me. Welcome to How My Parents Raised Me. I'm Dawn Chitty. When we are born, we arrive here as pure and perfect souls. And the direction our life takes from that moment is deeply connected to what our parents bring to our lives. And what our parents bring to our lives is deeply connected to what their parents brought to their lives. And that's the cycle of families. I have always craved connection with real and raw stories to understand what makes you, you. What makes you the absolutely unique human that you are. Stories are medicine for the soul. They can connect us and they can change the world. And so in this podcast, I'm listening to beautiful souls sharing their story. What happened to them, how they got through and how they have healed and thrived despite everything to arrive right here in this moment. Content warning, if you are triggered by the themes of this podcast, please seek a helpline in your city. Hello, my beautiful friends. Welcome back to the podcast. 
Did you suffer neglect as a child? Were you disconnected from your parent, either physically or emotionally? The consequences of neglect can be severe and long-lasting. And it's one that we often don't connect with trauma because it's one of those quiet forms of abuse. On the Heal blog this week, you can find the three steps to heal from cruel childhood neglect. There is a heap of information in this blog about the things you need to do to thrive after a childhood of neglect. The link to this blog post is in the show notes. If you find yourself feeling lonely, disconnected, depressed, my guest this week knows exactly where you're coming from. From her very earliest memories, Victoria Finch felt worthless. The messages she got growing up were, we don't want you around. At school, she was bullied and rejected, and she had such low self-worth that Victoria never, ever looked in a mirror because she didn't like what she saw. As an adult, Victoria believed that if she achieved, if she could get all the awards and accolades, that she would be worthy. But in the long term, this just didn't cut it and there was depression and some really dark times until finally, Victoria found herself sitting on the end of her bed with a bottle of pills. In that moment, she got a message and she began to turn her life around. Everything that Victoria says is spot on and she is now helping others to find their own self-worth and self-love. Please join me now for Victoria's story. Victoria Finch, welcome to the podcast. You are known as the heart healer and you are an inner child healing expert as well as an award-winning global speaker and international best-selling author and certified life coach. And you teach how to release trauma, build self-confidence and the power of forgiveness. Your mission is to heal the world one heart at a time. It's all so good, all so good. You have been through some very dark days in your own life. Going back to when you were growing up, you were born the youngest of six children. What did being the youngest of six mean for you? For me and my household, it meant that I had no place because all the older siblings had people and friends and they had their rooms and they had their places. We lived in a very small three-bedroom home. My parents had a room, my brothers had a room, and my sisters had a room. There is 10 years in between my sis, my youngest sister and myself. And then it was the three boys slid in the middle. So all of a sudden you've got these older sisters, these three boys, and this little girl. And it's like, where does she go? She can't sleep with the boys. And then the older sisters don't want her. And so that's really kind of my first feelings of growing up. Now, it's interesting because I I did grow up in a loving home. I just didn't feel it because nobody ever wanted me to be with them. At least that's what I felt. It's, It's hard. You said you didn't even have your own bed. No, I never had a crib. Never had a crib. Never had. I had hand me down toys, but no. No crib, no room, no place of my own. Yeah. I didn't even have a high chair. I would have to sit on someone's lap to eat. 
Yeah, that's a lot, isn't it, for a little little kid? Because, and I suppose in a house with six children, there's so much going on, and you're just not getting any kind of focus, I guess. Yeah, I was overlooked a lot, and it's interesting how I learned to cope: pleasing, trying to help out, trying to be noticed. I was extremely loud because I felt like nobody would listen. And I spent most of my childhood feeling invisible. Yeah. Did you feel loved individually by your parents? Yes, I did. And, and my siblings as well. They, I, I felt it's a dichotomy, a dichotomy because there was love there, but I always felt unwanted. Like I was in the way. Mm. And it would be whoever would take me. Oh, go ahead and take the baby. We don't want to take the baby because, you know, they're kids. They want to do what they want to do. They don't want to be having to deal with a baby all the time. And so it was a lot of that. Oh, go ahead. And they called me Vicky, Vicky Lynn. Go ahead and take Vicky Lynn or whatever. And they, they were like, no, we don't want her. We don't want her. So me, I was like, oh, my God, nobody wants me. Mm. And that's what I grew up feeling. I'm not important. Yeah. And so what about at school? How did you cope in those school years? So I was unworthy. I'm not worthy of being with them. Mm. I'm not enough. I'm not worthy. So this whole feeling of being unworthy is what carried with me. Nobody wants you unless you can do things for them. And that carried on in middle school and in, in, in school. I was bullied a lot, like every day. I looked different than the other kids being of mixed race. And I was called horrible names. They would pull my hair. They would call me ugly. And just, it was just really hard for me. And what hurt is I am brown skinned and I do identify as black African-American, but those kids didn't want me at all. They, I mean, they were the worst to me. And when you are in a situation where people you, I mean, even people who look like you don't want you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's terrible. It's it's just awful the way that kids, and, and I suppose kids are just reacting to what they see in the world, aren't they? We belong to this group. You know, this is how we identify. And if somebody isn't quite the same, then they're not part of us. I mean, it's it's that's the way our world is set up. And it's so sad that it's that's how kids behave. By the time you were a teen, if you were to look at yourself in the mirror, how did you see yourself? How did you judge yourself? I, I didn't look in the mirror. I, I didn't look in the mirror because I, what was there to look at? I mean, I, I really didn't. I, I didn't like my skin color. I didn't like my, I, I was tall. I'm 5'9", and so I was taller when that awkward age when girls are taller than the boys. And I didn't look in the mirror. I, I, I avoided them. Yeah. Yeah. And did you have anybody, was there anybody you felt that you could talk to or there was anybody on your side? Not, not, not feel, not those feelings, not at all. So let me go back. If I could go back to being that toddler, when mm. I was two years old, as I said, we stayed in the home that was small with the two boys with the three boys and my two elder sisters and there was a time when my parents asked me to leave their room and when I left their room I went to my sister's room who put me out they said 
you know, get out of here because it was early in the morning. They didn't want to be bothered with me. I go to my brother's room, same thing, get out. We don't want you in here. I mean, literally, I remember, we don't want you. At my two years old, I heard, we don't want you. That's what that little brain heard. And the only thing I know, knew to do, two years old, I remember, I see that little girl, knees to her chest, knees to her chest and her head and her knees. That's my first moment of nobody wants you, nobody likes you, you're not worthy and you're not enough. And that little girl carried those feelings through middle school because it just got worse. Cause now I'm in grade school, right? I'm in school and I'm still teased. I don't get picked for the games. I don't get picked for the dances and the teams or, or anything. So that's how that carried. And even into high school, same thing, right? You look different. And it was always, people would always want things for me. I always felt it was always what I wanted. I became a high achiever. And I thought, man, if I made the best grades and I did all this great stuff, people would like me. And I kept seeking validation and yeah. I couldn't find it. It was all empty. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's such a cycle as well, isn't it? Because once you're in there and you've, you've got that low self-esteem, it sort of almost draws that to you, doesn't it? That becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy almost like, this is not going to change. You look yeah. for ways to validate it. Yes. Absolutely. You could have 10 people tell you, oh, that was a good job. And you only are going to hear the one that said you could have, should have done this yeah. because you're looking for that validation of not being enough. So you grow into a teen and an adult and you're in this sort of cycle of trying to prove yourself, trying to get all the accolades to show the world that I am worthy I guess when when you're going through all of that you must get to a point that you can't do that anymore is there a point where yeah. you start slipping into a depression yeah I spent 30 years of my life in and out of depression probably earlier and didn't realize that's what I was going through mm. and for decades you know doctors I was on antidepressants doctors put me on medicine they would say, it'll be okay, you're gonna get through this. And it's it's really a lonely feeling when you're in that space. You feel so alone, you feel like no one understands you, no one's been here before, and it's just you. I'm reminded of a story in the Bible when one of the prophets were was in a cave and God said to him, what, what, what are you doing here? And he says, I'm the only one, I'm the only, and he just had this big battle and he says like, I am the only one, it's Elijah. And God says, what are you doing here? And really, I believe what he was asking is why are you in this state of mind? Because you just had this battle, you just, you've seen the miracles and I have 7,000 prophets out there in the world. Now I'm paraphrasing, right? I have those, but when you are in that space, you feel like you are in, you put yourself in the cave mm. by yourself. You are alone in that cave. In 2017, that's when I was in my deepest, darkest depression. And I remember sitting on the side of the bed, not caring if I was going to wake up the next day. I didn't care. Even my children's laughter could not 
make me happy. I couldn't find joy anywhere, nowhere. And I'm sitting there, antidepressants like I've always had, and they're on the side of the table, and it was if it was someone else reaching for that pill bottle. I get it, and I turn it, and I shake those pills in my hand because it's like, who would miss me anyway? I had gone through a string of men who were noncommittal, and then you turn around, they got another girlfriend that they're commit to, but not to me because I was unworthy and not good enough. And I'm sitting there and I take those pills and I shake them in my hand and I put them up to my mouth. And just as I do that, I hear the voice of the divine that I call God that said, I made you on purpose for a purpose and this is not it. And at that moment, I knew I had a heart issue. This helplessness, this hopelessness, it had been my identity. It had been in my heart and in my soul of who I was. And I got up and I poured those pills out and I sought healing. I went on a journey. I went on a journey to learn to love myself, to learn to forgive myself. I was promiscuous because I figured if you didn't want anything else, at least I had a body. And I had to learn to forgive myself for that because that was a tough one. If you're a woman and you use your body to be loved, that was a hard one. So I had to learn to forgive me. I had to learn to be okay with me. And years, takes years. This is not an overnight thing. And I knew that I cannot be the only one to feel alone, to feel abandoned, unworthy, and not enough. And that is how I became the heart healer. And that's when my mission was and my purpose was born, to heal the world one heart at a time. Wow. It's an incredible story to be sitting there and to have that moment of intervention, I guess, where you're given this message. When you say I knew, knew I needed to heal, what, what were the yeah. first steps for you in that journey? You know, it's an interesting thing. When you set in your mind and you make a decision, the universe that I call God source steps in to help you. And lo and behold, here I am trying to figure out who can I talk to, where can I go? And I'm scrolling on the internet and I see it, a famous hypnotherapist, and she is giving a free session. And I thought, hmm, I never thought of this before. So I decided to sign up for her free session. It was life-changing. I signed up for the session. She did regression, which means you go back. I went back to that little girl sitting there and told her that she was loved and told her it was okay. And there was still something missing. I didn't know what it was. And I started learning and I started looking at the greats like Wayne Dyer, Les Brown, Francis Sovel, who said all these people who were in personal development, Louise Hay, I just, I just started absorbing everything that they were saying and learning and these things. And I'm thinking... Why don't we all understand this? And it's because we sit on the side of the door in the hallway and nobody takes us by the hand and say, come with me, come with me out of the darkness into the light. You got to face some stuff. You got to face it. First thing you have to do is acknowledge you cannot heal what you do not acknowledge. And if you do not heal, you will bleed on people who do not cut you. 
And so I used to yell at my children. I was a yeller because of my, it was me because what was going on here, right? Mm. And once I started that healing journey, I accepted myself for who I was, where I was. You have to forgive yourself. And I had to face that little girl sitting by the side of the door. I had to face that woman that was giving up her body because she felt that's the only way she could find love. I had to face that person that, my God, sitting on the side of the bed and you have children that might find you. I had to face those things. And that was the beginning of my healing is to go to those dark places. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And healing really is, is about truth, isn't it? That they're the first steps. I think, I think a lot of people just can't face the truth. And so they do live in that sort of zone for their entire life, disconnected mm -hmm. and depressed, but it really is about the truth. And, and what, what truth did you realize about who you really are underneath all of the things that you believed about yourself? That I am perfectly imperfect, that it's okay not to be okay, and that I am seen and I am heard and I am worthy and I am part of the masterpiece of this earth and I am connected to everyone. One of the things I learned to do was to see a little bit of me in everyone because when you can start to serve others and you can see a little bit of you because we're all part of creation. I, that is really life-changing when you're able to see someone else in a situation and you're say, you can talk to me. This is a safe space. Cause that's a lot of it too. You don't feel safe telling anybody. Mm. I mean, I, I, I have friends, I have family, but there was no one I felt I could talk to. And it's just that loneliness. And you have to be willing to step out of that, that comfort zone. Because as miserable as you feel, as horrible as you think of yourself, you have identified with that and it is comfortable. And it takes honesty within yourself to get out of it. Yeah. And I, I noticed you, you said that when you were at that rock bottom moment and you, you got that message and you started looking and you found this hypnotherapist, it is that thing of opening up, isn't it, to what's possible? Because I think when we're really in the depths of depression, we're so closed and we're so protective of ourselves. We're just trying to get through every day. We're not opening up to the possibilities. Exactly. That's what it really takes is to be open, to be open and willing. Vows are so important because when we're able, the world will open up to us, but we have to be able and eager. When I say able, what does you mean by able, Victoria? Of course, someone's able to do it. They simply make the decision. You have to make the decision with the ability to follow through, with the intention to follow through because you can talk all you want about healing and all these things. And if you're not able to follow through for whatever reason, whether it's because you don't want to, whether you don't know whatever reason you're going to stay just as you are. If you want different, you have to do different and you have to become different. That little girl 
And the sitting, she she's a part of me, but she's gone. That woman that was sleeping around with everybody she could sleep with just so she could feel loved, she's dead. She's no more. I had to become who I am today. And all of that time, all those scars, I believe, makes us whole. Yeah. No, that's that's so true, isn't it? And so how do we actually release the trauma that we're holding? Okay. First of all, recognize the trauma. What is trauma? Trauma has four indications of trauma. One, you have to, it, it's life-threatening or you feel it's your life is threatened in some way or another. Two, your coping mechanisms no longer work for whatever reason. Three, you've been let down by someone that you think should have protected you. So there's this letdown of expectations. And then it's the loneliness that you feel. Those are the four indications that you have experienced some type of trauma. And the first thing you have to do is to recognize them. I can't tell you how many people I work with that will try to minimize what they've gone through because they have been told they don't matter. They've been told you're making it up. This didn't happen. Why are you saying these things? And it's not made up. They have been conditioned not to trust themselves. So step number one is trust yourself. Know that it wasn't your fault so that you're able to at least begin to see things a different way. And that's where it starts. Like with me, with the, when you hit, mentioned hypnotherapy, I'm now a master hypnotherapist because I was open to that. A lot of people are stuck in secondary gain, meaning they say they want to heal, but they really don't want to because they're getting something out of it. Like someone who may be suffering from depression. Oh, I'm depressed, so I don't have to carpool. I know that's a stretch, but you'd be surprised. Or because they're in not feeling well, you've got all these people catering to you. So you really don't want to get healed. And you will always be in that cycle. And I call that the basement of life. And the only way to get out of the basement of life is to decide you want out of it. Mm. That's step number one, yeah. acknowledgement. Yeah, absolutely. It's so simple, isn't it? You just got to acknowledge that you actually want to get out of that place because it is we we can just lean on that crutch right like mm -hmm. it's it's just like well if I lean on this crutch then someone's going to come and help me it's hard for people because they've been there for so long to see that there's anything different yeah and there's uh, this hopelessness that it's mm. today and tomorrow is the same and that's where awareness is so important become aware I was just talking to a client and she says yesterday and she said this always happens to me and I said does it always happen to you well not always when, when doesn't it happen to you and becoming aware of our language what languaging are we using so that's number step number two you got to decide step number two what language are you using with yourself oh nothing ever goes right for me nothing ever goes right for you is that true Let's challenge that. Becoming aware of your self-talk. Are you talking to yourself like you would a friend? Or are you putting yourself down? 
Half of us, what we talk, what we say to ourselves, we would never say to anybody else. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. And studies say, depending on what study you're looking at, that we have 50 to 70,000 thoughts. And 95% of those are going to be from the day before, and 80% of those are negative. It's because we're not aware of that. Awareness is another is another key to finding healing. Hmm. Can you just explain that a little bit more, awareness? Yes. So awareness is literally learning to listen to your own thoughts. It is who is talking. There are times when I think something and I have to ask myself, who's talking? Is it that two little girl that I left, two-year-old girl that I left, or that woman on the side of the bed, or or the one who feels unworthy? Who is talking? That's awareness. When you say, dang it, I, I can't remember anything. I'm so stupid. Who's talking? Is that a parent that put that on you? Who is saying that? Is that your your is that your grade school teacher who said, told you that? You'll never amount to anything because there are teachers who are really horrible to people. Mm. Who is talking to you? Who is saying that? Because the divine and the love within you would never speak to you like that. And then you want to challenge that. And then you want to learn to reframe and rephrase those things. If you forget something that doesn't make you stupid, you just forgot it. That makes you human, right? And understanding the difference between the two you're just human we all forget we all make mistakes Mm. not being so hard on yourself so this awareness is when when something happens do you just overthink it overthink it and overthink it who is doing this overthinking because probably the person that you had the interaction with has gone on and forgot about the whole thing when somebody cuts me off on the road I used to call them everything but a son of God now when someone cuts me off I just say Bless you. Maybe you've got some place that's more important to be than where I'm going. Mm. That's a reframe in my in my mind. Our minds are a garden and whatever we plant, it will grow. It will grow. Grow good things in your mind. And that comes back to that's the awareness. So did I answer that? Because I got another one. You tell me. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And then let's talk about the seeds that we're planting. I, I mentioned the reframing and the languaging. What are you planting? Who are you around? Who are you around? And sometimes it is so hard when I have a client and they have to accept that sometimes sorry never comes. I'm working with a client right now. She so wants to have this relationship with her mother. She so wants it. We have to reach a point that sometimes sorry never comes and you've got to take care of your mental health because if you're not good, 
you're not good for others that are around you either. You're probably a parent, a sister, a brother, a friend, and learn to love yourself like you love your friends. Well, how do I learn to love myself, Victoria? Noah St. John wrote a book called Affirmations. A lot of people use affirmations, which means I am great, I'm beautiful, I'm wonderful, and they, they use affirmations. That doesn't work for a lot of people. The reason why it doesn't work is because it gets stuck in the brainstem because your subconscious mind has heard over and over again, you're unworthy, you're not enough, and that has become your identity. When you're at your identity phase, that is the hardest thing to change. Affirmations is questions. Why am I so beautiful? Because see, our subconscious mind is designed to answer our questions. When you're saying, I'm beautiful, I am all this stuff, your brain wants to protect you, doesn't want you to change. But when you ask the brain, why am I so beautiful? How is it I'm so smart? How is it I'm so wonderful? Now you will start to see things that make you feel smart and wonderful. And it's just the way of allowing you to start to feel and think better about yourself. Oh, I love that. I've never heard that before. And even when you were asking those questions, I just felt so much happier. It's like, why am I so beautiful? Why am I so smart? You know, it's it's a few, that's such a great tool. I really love that. Yeah. A big part of what you're doing is teaching people how to heal their inner child. Why is healing our inner child so important? I hear people go, oh, that's rubbish or whatever. To me, even just putting a, a picture of my little self next to my bed, to me, it's it's so important. That has been such a huge part of my journey. Yeah. Your inner child is playful. Your inner child is innocent. Your inner child wants to be set free and if you're constantly putting yourself down and in situations and being around people that don't serve you, that inner child is trapped there. When I said that little girl sat by her parents' door for 50 years, five, zero years, she did. That child was trapped there. Relationship, how does it show up? I mentioned relationships that didn't last. Who would want me anyway? So I attracted people who were non-committal to me. When I would look in the mirror on rare occasions, which I didn't even look in the mirror, but every once in a while, you know, you catch a mirror, I'd be like, Ugh, right? And I'd look away because I didn't want to see this. You know? And that goes with something else too, is changing. My last way is changing your physiology. Change your physiology. Start standing up, sitting a little taller, Hold your head up when you're walking. Don't slant your shoulders. When you change your physiology, your mind, your spirit reacts to that. When you smile, your brain doesn't know if that's a real smile or a fake smile. I will caution you not to wear that mask, though. I spent many years wearing a fake mask. I mm. spent many years putting on others' oxygen masks before myself. Oh, yeah. I had to learn to pour from my saucer and not my cup. Yeah. yeah. The inner child is important to be healed. Is she happy? Is he happy? Is he joyful? Because however that inner child feels, that's what's manifesting in your life. And until there's healing, you're going to keep getting what you're getting. That's why it's important. Yeah, absolutely. So what, what do we need to give to our inner child to start healing ourselves? Recognition. 
-hmm. awareness, loving language. That's where it starts. What about triggers when we're triggered? What about triggers? That's really our inner child, isn't it? Triggers. It's going back to when we were children, when we get triggered. The first thing you need to ask yourself when you're triggered is, is there an incident in my past that this reminds me of? Is this a person in my past that this reminds me of? And until you can figure that out, it's going to be real hard to figure out your triggers. Just for example, if you're a child, if you got bit by a dog as a child and you're afraid, and now all of a sudden you're like, oh, why, why am I afraid of poodles? But I love Labradors and German Shepherds, but not poodles. Why? Did a poodle bite you when you were a child or were, did a poodle frighten you when you were a child? I hate to use animals, forgive me. I love animals. <laughs> but you know, what did that, there's something that reminded you. I often share the story of the man who only dates brunettes. If you look at his profile on social media, everybody, brunette, 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 brunette. He has a type. Now he just thinks that's his type. But what happened was when he was 16 years old and it was time for the school dance and he went and asked this gorgeous blonde to go to the dance and she turned him down. And from then on, he didn't realize it, but then on, he felt he was not good enough or he just, blondes are not his thing. And he didn't realize that it was, and she could have done it because she felt like she, like, oh, you're asking me? Oh no, I could never go with you. And that she didn't feel good enough about herself, but he took it as, oh, there must be something wrong with me. Mm. Yeah. Look, we all have patterns. Look at, look at the patterns in your life. Patterns are like triggers. Look at them in your life and think back. There is going to be a situation that something happened that created that trigger. And there's a whole process in working through triggers. There's, I, I'm a master practitioner of emotional freedom techniques. I use different modalities and there's, a, there's different processes and ways to work through triggers. There's a tell the story where you create a story about a situation to try to, to heal it from that point. You could do that. There's a movie technique. There's so many techniques you can use to work on triggers. But the first thing I would say, one, get help. Always, always find help. It's hard. Even healers need healing. I had a situation coming up about a month ago and I called my friend who's a healer and she walked me through it. Because sometimes things just kind of come up as we live life, right? It's not right. something you, it's not a one and done, right? And it yeah. came up and she helped me. And getting help, I cannot stress getting help. We have to remove the stigma of mental health. Why is it okay to take care of from the neck down, but not from the neck up? We have got to remove that stigma. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more about that. It is so weird. I just think it, it's so weird that there is this stigma around mental health. I think we're definitely getting better at that, but it's still a huge challenge. I think there's a lot of people out there who have spent their life in pain and they, they have a really hard time with the idea of loving themselves. What would be your advice around a first step that somebody can do? Comes to trust. A lot of times we have broken trust. One of the things about trauma is that 
people who were supposed to protect you didn't protect you or someone you were supposed to feel safe with wasn't safe. And part of it is to trust yourself that you've not made up these things, that what you're feeling, it's okay to feel it, is what you do with those feelings. There are no bad feelings. If you're hurt, if you're sad, if you're depressed, it's okay, but you don't have to stay there. You can decide. I always say this, I said, anyone can have a pity party. You just have to know when to leave it. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I love that. And we do hold a lot of anger towards those people who've abandoned us in our lives. How important is forgiveness? Oh, it really starts with self-forgiveness to forgive yourself because then you feel guilty because you're angry at the person that hurt you. Yes. And you, you feel guilty that, oh, if I hadn't have said that, or if I hadn't have done that, they wouldn't have this or that to me. Nobody has the right to hurt you. No one has the right to put you down self-forgiveness how do you start with self i know this sounds so simple but it's so hard you have to decide that you want something different that you want to be different it starts with the decision and then once you made the decision then the questions that you ask yourself is how can i get this healing how do i find this healing what do i need to become it was like Chu who said I had to stop being who I was so that I could become who I might be. That's what you have to do. Yeah, that's beautiful advice. No one can do it for you. Yeah. No one, you know, sometimes when people say, well, how do I do this? You have to decide to do it. And then, then you, you know, a lot of times, and then you go down the trail of I'm not this and my parents were that sooner or later, you have to acknowledge what happened to you it was horrible. Shouldn't have happened to anyone. It was more about them than it was about you. And you decide that you're going to move forward. And I think part of it is we feel nothing's going to change. Until we try it, how do you know it's not going to change? Until mm. you make that decision, how do you know you can't be happier? How do you know you can't love yourself? How do you know you'll never forgive yourself? And stop saying, I'll never forgive myself for this or that. Language. Watch your language. Yeah. And it is just about taking a step, isn't it? Sometimes it's this idea that we've got to take a step and it's all going to change. Well, it it doesn't happen that way. It's taking small steps and trusting along the way and opening ourselves up, I guess. I get that a lot. Mm. I had this one client, and this is a, just a technique I use. And she's like, well, I've done this before and I've done that before and nothing's ever worked for me. And she wanted to, to work and she wanted to drive a car. She's been, she's been through a lot, as most of my clients have. And so when she said, this was our first meeting and she says, well, nothing's ever going to change. I've been to psychologists and psychiatrists and I've been to hypnotherapists and all these people and it's never worked. And I said, you know what? You will probably end up leaving earth just like you are right now. None of it's ever going to work. And she had never had anyone challenge her on that, on her thinking. And she says, well, well, maybe if I, you know, maybe if I really am, you know, committed, I, I think I could, I, I think I could get healing. I'm like, oh, okay. 
Now we can, now we have a conversation. Yeah. And that's a, that is a, a technique. Any therapist, anybody, I'm not a licensed medical professional, but that is a technique that I have used very successfully for my clients that have felt that nothing's ever going to change. Don't argue with them. Yeah. Don't, don't argue with them. What happens is you're in fight or flight, you're amygdala and you're in protection mode. Nothing's ever worked. Nothing's going to change. Nothing. Your prefrontal cortex, which is your logic thinking brain is shut down. It's shut down. You're in your hormones of stress are up here. Right. And so when someone tells you they're feeling a certain way and you try to talk them out of it, their brain is not hearing it. It is not hearing it because it is in protection mode. When, now, don't get me wrong. If someone's going to harm them, so do not agree with that. Don't do that. To, you know, we got to use some common sense here. If you're going to self-harm, you got to get them help. And I will refer to medical professionals, by the way. I will refer if I have to. But if someone's just kind of saying stuff and you're like, okay, fine, I guess we're done here. And then I'm like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> Aren't you going to help me? Oh, yeah. Because what I've done is I've put down that defense because I've not argued with them. Mm. And now the brain is like, oh, okay. It's kind of like the affirmations. It's like, why am I so beautiful? As as opposed to say, I am so beautiful when you don't. And she looked in the mirror and this is what happened. She sent me a picture of her driving. She drove 30 miles and now she's driving. She was a prisoner because she could not leave her home because she's lived way out in the country somewhere. She sent me a picture of her driving. She's driving now and she's just, she told me, she said, you're not going to believe what I did. I said, what did you do? She said, I looked in the mirror and I said, I love you. This was the same woman who said, nothing's going to change. Nothing's going to happen. And all I said was, well, you may be like this for the rest of your life until you leave this earth. And then that just opened her up. Oh, it's so beautiful, isn't it? To be able to look at yourself in the mirror and and believe that about yourself when when you've been to that rock bottom what what do you believe about yourself now having been on this journey yeah again that i i am perfectly imperfect i believe that i am love i am love i went out on a journey to find that which i sought because we don't attract what we want we attract what we are so i became love i became joy i became all those things those higher states of being that I wanted so much in my life. And now I see love everywhere. I'm still single, but that's okay because I'm no, I'm not lonely. Mm. It's okay for me. I've learned not to be by myself, but with myself. That is major because I have become those things. I'm my best date, right? And so that's what I have learned along the way. And by the way, as a heart healer, I have never healed a heart. I simply guide you to your own healing Mm. of your own heart because it's all within you. That's what I've learned. I think my biggest learning is I had to forgive myself and everything I ever needed, I already had. Mm. So beautiful. Have you always felt you were a healer? I, I did. I did, but I didn't realize it. I remember being a little girl and when people would would hurt I would touch them where they their pain was and I would say it's gonna be okay it'll be okay I would I and I didn't realize then 
that this was something that I had the ability to do. We all have abilities. I, I didn't know it. So it's always been a part of me. It's only come to my awareness and manifestation in recent years. Yeah. And so when people come to work with you, how do you provide a safe space? Because we talked about that before, didn't we? How important mm -hmm. it is for people to feel safe. Yeah. It's important that they know it's okay. It's important to know that what they share with me will stay with me. Now, when I mention clients or I talk about stories, it's always because I have permission to do so. Even with the lady driving, I wouldn't even have said that unless she said, tell everybody, <laughs> right? Because she's so happy. That's what it is to let people understand that you see them, that you hear them, and that you believe in your heart of hearts that they matter and that they are enough. And that is how that space is created. It's energy. Mm. It's, it's energy. And people can feel it. And I have, I have strangers coming to me all the time, just like I'm standing in line or I'm pumping gas and they just start telling me their life story. It's because I have this energy that lets people know that it's okay. I won't judge you. I won't think you're the crazy lady, which I hate that term, but I've heard my clients have actually used that term. I'm like, you're not those things. You are not those things. Yeah. It's validating. Yeah. Yeah. I sought that validation all my life, right? With the accolades and everything. And it wasn't until I was able to validate myself and I got validation, but not because I achieved this or I did that, but just as a human being, as a magnificent creature, as a masterpiece, that is life-changing to people. When people say no one has ever told me they loved me and I believed it. Mm. That just, it, yeah. it's a lot, isn't it, for people to carry yeah. around. So who should contact you? Who are you helping to heal and what do you offer? Yes. If you find yourself being triggered a lot, if you find yourself overreacting to a situation when you're like, I don't know why I acted that way chances are there's some childhood healing that needs to take place. If you put yourself down and lack confidence, I can help in that area. If you have phobias, whatever that might be. I had one client who was locked in a closet for hours, for hours as a child. And that's pretty hard to get over on your own. So I was able to help her get through that claustrophobia. But if you're easily triggered, if you find yourself, and this is one that kind of sneaks under the radar, if you are a caregiver, a high achieving caregiver that takes care of everyone but you, and at night when you get ready to go to sleep, you can't sleep because you're constantly overthinking a second guessing yourself, or maybe you need to drink a few glasses of wine. That's another one. These are all things that I can help with. Yeah. I, I think most people know when they're not good to themselves. Yeah. The way you described who you help there is very helpful, I think, for people. It's very clear, I think. So where can we find you? So you can find me under Just Ask Victoria almost anywhere. My website is 
just askvictoria.com. You can find me on Facebook, just ask Victoria, Twitter, just ask Victoria, just about everywhere. Instagram, just ask Victoria underscore. So you can find me about anywhere. My website, Victoria at justaskvictoria.com is my email if you'd like to get a hold of me. Yeah. And if you're listening to this and you have a heart that needs healing, reach out. I'll put the links to where you can find Victoria in the show notes. Victoria, thank you so much for sharing today. Everything you've said is just so incredible. And there's so many people that are going to relate to what you've said today, because there is so much feeling of unworthiness out there. And I just think hearing your story shows us what's possible for the future. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being on this journey of healing and community with me. If you listen on Apple, I would love it if you could take a moment to post a review for the podcast. It would mean a lot. Check the show notes for all links recommended in this episode. If you're on Instagram, follow me at my big love project and please share this episode with someone you know needs to hear it. Thank you for joining me. You are such an incredible soul because you are you. You are unique. Your journey is unique and you can absolutely change the world with your story. Your time is precious and I so appreciate you being here. Thanks for joining me. I'll catch you next week. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide.